much horror business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business Greetings and salutations My name is Justin Lore, And I'm Liam O'Donnell And you were listening to episode 84 Of Horror Business Horror Business and on this episode, our second transcontinental trans time zone episode, <laughs> we are doing two documentary style films. One of them was quite enjoyable. The other one, I think whoever made it should be fucking thrown in jail. The first <laughs> one is 1972's The Legend of Boggy Creek. And the second one is 2004's The Incident at Loch Ness. Now I'll, guess which one, I'll let you guys guess which one I really liked. And I'll give you a hint. It had Werner Herzog in it. Uh, uh, I, I'll go ahead and say I had issues with both of these films, but I do think one is watchable and the other, not so much. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm actually, I actually really liked it, the incident in Loch Ness, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I might go on a tirade, some would say a tantrum, when discussing one aspect of it because it got me really, really, really upset. Okay, I'm excited about that. But before we get to that, this episode is brought to you by you, our faithful and beloved and beautiful Patreon subscribers. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, which some of you might and some of you might not, I'm assuming you probably don't, you might have seen recently that I, the other night, late at night, put up a video on Instagram about what you get when you subscribe to us on Patreon. And I've had a few days to think about it, mull it over, let it stew around in my fucking brain juice, and I stand by every word that I said. So, if you want to support us and you want some cool shit, but most importantly, if you want to support us, you should check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. Do it for horror business, mostly. But you're also supporting an entire community of artists, podcasters, and writers. Me and Liam are just the fucking tip of the iceberg. There's a whole bunch it, of us out there. It's true. And, um, you know, we have growth goals here. Like, our hope is that Eventually, we can uh, grow this thing to the point where we're paying people for their work. A lot of people are podcasting for the for the site. A lot of people are writing for the site, and we want to, um, you know, have enough money coming in that we can uh, help them out. Right now, we're just paying for our hosting fees. We're paying for equipment stuff, all that kind of stuff. So, um, we'd really like it to to grow to that point, and you know, to grow in our number of listeners too. So, uh, you know, we can get some advertising going and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if you, I mean, I don't take any money to write this Justin, even though maybe I should because it emotionally traumatizes me at times. But you know, that's just the fucking cost of the game. That's just the price we pay to be creatives, strong creatives. You're ridiculous because if we get money and you're obviously going to get paid to write this Justin. Ah, I do it. I, I do it because I have to, not because I want to. Sure, but that uh, whatever. Point is, people I'm should like check Apollo out the Patreon. I'm like Apollo Creed in Rocky and Rocky Three. Okay, I do Stop. it because I got no choice. I got to get Stop. the fire out. Stop. Uh. So uh, there's a whole list of things we have. Like I don't know if you just if you, if you donate like five dollars after two months, I'll send you a shirt. If you donate ten dollars, I'll send you that bomb ass Joy Division shirt. And if you donate like fifty bucks once a month, I'll literally do whatever you tell me to. I mean, within reason. It's, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's good enough. Yeah. Jacob, keep that in there. Um, <laughs> so if any of that sounds interesting to you, you can head to www.patreon.com backslash Cinepunks, and you can just fucking hit that, smash that MFN subscribe button, baby. This episode is also brought to you by the fine folks at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Now, Liam, if I said to you, I want to get a t-shirt made that said, Jerry Falwell Jr. is a literal cuck. Where would you suggest I get that shirt made? <laughs> well, I mean, the obvious choice is Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. A, because they would love it. And B, because, you know, they would be personable and professional and help you get the best possible option for you. Whether that's the kind of garment, maybe you want to use a different kind of ink, maybe you want to also make some cod pieces or hand mm -hmm. kerchiefs or a pillow cast. They can help you in all those cases. They're professionals. 
Last weekend, they had a live pro wrestling event at our homeboys up in Mahoning Valley Drive-In. And I can tell you that um, you might think that a professional wrestling match in the air of the plague is not a good idea. But I can tell you that Chris Reject did an excellent job of maintaining social distancing, staying on top of people to maintain social distancing, stayed on top of people out wearing masks, stayed on top of disinfecting the ring, stayed on top of maintaining all the rules to keep us healthy and safe in the fucking hellscape we are rapidly sliding into because of this stupid virus. So that's the kind of... Chris Reject applies that same manic, someone say unhealthy, obsession with adhering to the rules to his work. At the cost of his own emotional health, he will give you the best product that you can get for the price that you can get. <laughs> I like how his ruin is part of our endorsement of his business. I mean, he kind of is a broken human being at this point because of, because of this business. And you should take advantage, listener. Absolutely. Because, hey man, if he's going to do the time, you might as well do the crime. So if any of that interested you and you have something you want to get printed, some shirt for your podcast, for your two-piece garage noise band, or anything like that, you can head to www.xlvacx.com. That's www.xlvacx.com. Those X's don't mean anything because Chris Reject uh, likes straight-edge bands and he detests party culture, but at the end of the day, he is a drinker who lacks the purity that Liam and I keep deep within our hearts. It's true. It's very true. So now comes the time when I stand upon the mountaintop and I, I let my raven, my trusty raven, <laughs> Heingart, step down off my shoulder and I, I fly west, Heingart, and bring back but not, not but good news. Tell me, Heingart, what has Liam been watching recently involving <laughs> horror movies? And then Heingart comes back and he rests on my shoulder and his beak kisses my cheek ever so gently, and he whispers the good news he has brought back. And what is that good news, Liam? <laughs> you are so fucking ridiculous. Um, unfortunately, there's only one thing, but it is something that I think you would like to talk about as well, and that is a little television show called Lovecraft Country. Motherfucking Lovecraft Country. I was crying last night. Oh, I was crying. Ooh. So my understanding here, I want to say this up front just for those people for whom they would care. You know, this is based off a book, which I have not read. Justin, have I've you read, read it? it? Oh, you I've have read, read it. Yeah. I have my, read it. My understanding is that we're moving quite quickly through the book, that that the show is moving at a pace a little bit faster than some, not all, but well, some book readers would like. The thing is, is they've added a couple things that I've liked. Um, they... They did one thing that I liked slash hated. I'm not going to fucking no spoiler alert. Not in the book, but it was effective. Um, the book is, the book is the closest I can tell you the way the book is written. It's like an, it's like an anthology in book form. It's, I think, six or seven storylines that are all revolving around this one family. The main character is Atticus Turner, but each of his associates have a storyline that sort of ties in with understanding this legacy he has um, from his past, which sure. is a, you know, a common theme in Lovecraft stories. Um, they are doing it in a really interesting way on the TV show, and I think they've kind of wrapped up Atticus's initial um, this-is-what-you-are storyline, and now it seems that they're, they're moving on to uh, Letty's storyline um, like it is in the book. But yeah, they're moving. I mean, there was something, there, there was like a revelation last night where I was like, oh, boy, they brought, they really, I mean, that wasn't dropped kind of towards the end of the book, but hmm. here we go. Well, I, I, I brought that up just as a, um, you know, showing respect to, to the complaints I've seen from other people. Apologies to everyone who can hear my daughter yelling in the background. Um, <laughs> Uh, I bring that up just out of respect because I know that that's experience that some people are having as someone who has not read the book and is simply experiencing the show as is. I am completely enjoying it top to bottom. Uh, I do think last night's episode, there were a couple points that felt a little choppy. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think that 
knowing it comes from a book is spoiling it a teeny bit for me, only in that I think, ooh, if that happens in the book, I bet there's more detail, or I bet you that scene plays out a little slower. Um, but even knowing the pacing is maybe a little faster than I want it to be in some ways, in other ways, it's so satisfying. And the themes that it's touching on are so satisfying. And it, it's making me very happy, which is not the goal of the show, right? It's a horror show. And it's yeah. upsetting. And it's disturbing. And yet every episode ends. And I am fucking stoked, man. I am so excited about this experience uh, in so many different ways. What is your, as someone who's actually read the book, I know it's affecting you. I know you find it effective. But are you overall enjoying the show? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, even as someone who comes from like a, from like a, 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 a you know, the whole Lovecraft mythos background. Like, dude, last night when, like, Uncle George was like, man, we got Clark Ashton Smith in here. I was like, I, I wanted to start. Like, I've never heard someone who isn't me talk about Clark Ashton Smith. You know, it, it's that, that speaks to the weird nerd in me. But another thing that I think this show is, is really, they're not being too heavy-handed about it, but um, it's one of the themes in the book is, like, you don't have to hold any hostility towards people of color to believe in white supremacy. Like, you can treat people of color with the utmost respect and be kind to them and still be an adherent to white supremacy. And that's exactly what they're doing on the show. Right. You know, like, the, the, these white characters, they're not necessarily, like, evil, and they don't necessarily... Uh, you know, despise Atticus and, and, and his family, but they are still adherents to a form of white supremacy that's kind of dressed up in like mysticism and, and, and sort of like a weird um, esoteric cloth draped upon their shoulders. Sure. But ultimately, there's still a lot of themes that the Sons of Adam believe in that you're like, yeah, that's um, the, the Nazis believe in that too. You know right. what I mean? It's like right. it, it's so. I, I just think it's 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 a fascinating look at the at the um, the sort of um, the modern. I call it like the the benevolent suburban soccer mom form of racism, right. which is like you don't you, you know it, you can you can be outraged uh, at cops killing unarmed black men, and you can be outraged at you know every time Donald Trump opens his mouth, but that doesn't mean that your heart is pure from some form of racism or white supremacy. And that sh the, the show is definitely injecting that in here in very, very subtle ways that I think are, are, are very well done. I agree. I think, uh, I think also having... There's so much effort on the show to center blackness, black experience, black art, in ways that like horror let's just say like almost never does like yeah. it, it is because of the history of art and the history of horror and the way that horror as a genre has developed in our Western culture. It is so white, man. It's there's so much whiteness in it all the time. And yeah. so having a show that is not exclusively focused on black folks, but is still centering their experience is so different than what you usually see. And I just find that really refreshing. I have seen a number of super horror people not enjoy the show. I don't know if they feel like it's not scary enough or, you know, whatever, it's corny, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I haven't seen a single, other than people who read the book who feel like the pacing's a little off. And even then, they're not, that's not a huge criticism. It's just they prefer the pacing in the book. Cool. Whatever. That's not like a massive critique. All the people I've seen who, don't seem to like the show. I don't get it. Like they, they don't have any. I haven't seen anything yet where I get, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I see why that doesn't work for you. Mostly, I just see people excited. Like and and yeah and and yes, there are a lot of people who are excited who aren't huge horror people, which I think is always a t turn off for horror people. You know, uh, but oh well. Like sometimes you got to share your toys, guys. Like it's just how it is. And yeah, so I mean, you know. I I, I think that that they they pulled off something that was you know I, I was I was hoping they were going to do and it's they told a story, um, they told a story that Lovecraft himself would have written, but they used black voices to tell it. Right. You know the theme of the show is like we don't know our past and like sometimes that right. past comes back to haunt us and that is like 
that's fucking Howard Phillips Lovecraft to the to a T. Um, and they're just doing a really good job at it. You know, I mean, it, it's like yeah, they're playing up a little more like uh, the, the Shoggoths. I, I think they're they scare the shit out of me. Um, they're not. I don't even I don't even remember if they're really like in the book, like as like full throated fucking monsters. Actually, like they talk about these things in the woods, but I don't I, I don't remember if they ever actually get attacked by them, um, or at least to the extent that they did in this one. But like, I don't know. It, it it's just. It's such a fucking fun, cool, gripping show. I agree. And it's, it's really effective. Like, that closing scene on last night's episode, that was really fucking sad. That was really well done. Well, I think the performances have been incredible so far. Oh, my God, yeah. And, um, again, I, 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 I can agree with anyone who says, like, well, the pacing seems a little fast. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I feel that way. I felt that way. Less with the pilot, more with the uh, last night's episode. Parts felt a little bit, like I said, choppy. But other than that, I just think it's it's really doing something special. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. Because, like I said, I've never read the book. I have no idea what to expect. Like, yeah, these first two episodes, I thought, wow, well, that's a lot. I wonder where we're going to go from here. And seeing that there is places for us to go and there are new things for us to see. I'm really excited about it. And I don't know. It's been a while for me since I've been this excited about a show. So, uh, but uh, unfortunately that's the only real horror thing I've been able to do. I haven't been able to, you know, with, uh, all the moving and stuff and, and, uh, Maeve was, didn't have daycare last week. So I've really only watched movies for, for podcasts stuff and i haven't really watched anything for fun but i'm really glad i got to sneak in some of this lovecraft country because it's been just really good just really really good and much in the same way that um the hbo Watchmen series uh or was it showtime or hbo 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 how they kind of uh presented to america uh the tulsa race riots which not a lot of people knew about right um and it, it kind of like opened people's eyes up to this horrific event that happened barely a hundred years ago that was just been brushed under the rug. Lovecraft Country has, oh, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about how there's a goodish amount of people who were unfamiliar with the concept of a sundown town. And Crazy. One of my friends was, you know, we were talking about it and they were like, oh, that's not actually, like, there, there aren't places, you know, they, that wasn't like that. Then I'm like, no, there are places like that now. Like, there are still sundown towns in like eastern Texas Mm-hmm. You know, Texarkana, what we'll be talking about shortly. Like, those places are still around. Um, it, it, that's not some, like, archaic relic of, like, uh, shitty Jim Crow era America. Like, that shit is alive and well. And, um, and on top of that, they're going to talk about something else that, uh, you know, not a lot of people knew about until recently that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. So I'm stoked. I'm really, I, really, I really love it. Well, that's about it for me with horror, unless you count the horror of everyday life with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, another uh, unarmed uh, African-American person murdered by police. Uh, oh, did he, pa- did he pass away? Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Assaulted by police. He yeah. survived. But clearly that wasn't the at- intention, right? Like, no, you don't shoot someone seven times and think, well, hopefully he'll be all right. Like no to get to to give you a perspective when Arnold Schwarzenegger shoots Ginger in the first Terminator movie he shoots her three times right right so that's you know and then let you know the 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 president's a monster who's joking about never leaving office they're trying to dismantle the postal service like everything in in real life is pretty horrifying uh, but that's no at this point though none of that's new right it's like old news to talk it's about life. how yeah. horrifying everything is I I can't wait until there's some actual legitimate good news but even then i'm sure i'll just like skeptically blow it off waiting for the next terrible thing um but yeah so that's 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 that for me unfortunately no other good harsh stuff going on in my life uh i have watched a couple movies in the past few days i watched a little movie called she dies tomorrow oh i wanted to see that how is it very good i wept at one point you know, there's there's this, there's this monologue to a dead person that um, really cut a little close to the bone for me. Um, I watched a little, a little movie called We Summon the Darkness. Uh, fucking great movie. Oh, um, really? I had heard mixed things. I mean, it, it's a little... It, it's a little... Uh, what sort I'm looking for? 
like, 80s satanic stuff is kind of, like, in vogue right now. And it's sure. a little bit of that. But it also, at one point, I don't want to, because to talk about it would give, like, the quote-unquote twist away. But I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I watched random, random Acts of Violence, which was uneven. You know, started out really strong. The ending was kind of a fucking jumbled mess for me. You know, I still watch it. It's cool. Um, it's definitely lit and shot like a comic book, so that's pretty awesome. Um, and then I watched a little movie called Sputnik, which I've been seeing trailers for for a few months now. That shit was cool as heck. It's basically like the same plot to Species 2, but the alien is kind of sympathetic. Oh, and okay. It's just, it was just, and you know, the creature design was great. The story was great. Um, it's a very, despite the fact it's about a fucking alien hitching a ride back to space or back to Earth, um, it's a very like human-centered story. And I just, I just thought it wasn't particularly scary, like boo scary, but it's a cool story. It, there's, a, there's like a morality tale involved. It, you know, it's just good. Just a solid fucking horror movie. And I would, I would definitely recommend checking that out. But that's all I have done involving horror recently. Oh, I, I read for an upcoming, um, this is like kind of just off the cuff, but I did it today, so I figure I should bring it up. The next This Just In, which will probably be out by the time before this is, um, I'm writing about the work of Dean Koontz, who is not a B-rate Stephen King. That's my thesis of my uh my article so i've been like reading a lot of dean Koontz lately and a lot of the shit i thought was like really corny when i was a kid i'm reading it now and i'm like that's a fucking that's powerful that's really moving like i was like reading i finished reading watchers today and i don't know if you've ever read it or any but i was just like the end i was just like yeah dean Koontz, he's a fucking great american storyteller man he gets it he really gets the of, like Yes, I, I I don't remember which ones I've read, but I've definitely read some Dean Koontz, and it didn't really stick with me. There's some bad. Let, let me be clear. There are some. There are some terrible Dean Koontz novels. There are some Dean Koontz novels that are so fucking sugary sweet, your teeth will fall out of your head when you're reading them. But the man knows how to kick you in the fucking bits, and it's and he knows how to scare you. So it's like. It, I, I don't know. Like I, I was like rereading. I, I was actually getting angry reading rereading Phantoms and being like, "Man, whoever fucking directed that shitty, stupid fucking movie with Ben Affleck and those other jerk offs, sure. he should be fucking. He should be thrown into a cell and fed gruel for the rest of his days." Okay. <laughs> and that's that's all I've done recently involving horror. Well, that's still pretty good. Yeah. So I guess we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 1972's documentary drama-style drama about the folk monster, The Legend of Boggy Creek. We'll be right back. Here in this primitive river-bottom wilderness in southern Arkansas, along with deer, duck, crane, and beaver, lurks a creature that walks upright. Whether it is a man, a monster, or a myth, no one really knows. What we do know is the people around Falk, Arkansas, say they have seen such a creature nearly 250 times since 1954. And that this creature, whatever it is, emits one of the most terrifying sounds ever recorded. Oh, that's my 
Legend of Boggy Creek, rated G. And we are back to talk about 1972's The Legend of Boggy Creek, directed by Charles B. Pierce, who also directed Boggy Creek 2, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, Sudden Impact, The Norsemen, uh, Sacred Ground, The Evictors, The Winds of Autumn, Bootleggers, and a bunch of other shit. Hawkins Breed, Chasing the Wind. I think the poster is the best thing about this movie because it looks like the fucking Bigfoot's getting low. I like that. I mean, I expect people know this movie almost entirely because of the poster, right? You like, have seen this poster. Yeah. You have seen this poster. The poster is haunting. It is haunting. This movie, however, is also haunting because I can never get those 87 minutes of my fucking life back. Liam. Yes. What did you hate about... I'm not, I don't even want to... I don't care what you liked about this movie, if anything. What didn't you like about this movie? I mean, it's so... I, I'm so surprised that we know people who love this movie. You know? Like, it's, yeah. it's like an actual surprise to me. And it, it's the only reason I want to come at this movie is knowing that some people really love it. Because my experience of the movie was just, oh, this is just bad. Like, the film is, without exaggeration and without caricature, basically a Disney nature film. Only yeah. the thesis of this Disney nature film is that in Boggy in the Boggy Creek area, there is a Bigfoot-like creature who they want you to know is not fucking Bigfoot because Bigfoot does not have three toes, and this creature has three toes, which is weird. But anyways, uh, it's not Bigfoot, but it's a big ape-like thing, and uh, you know. A lot of the movie plays like a slice of life Disney, like down here in these parts of the woods, the teenagers like to go out in the summer, do a little fishing, have a little camping, make so some funny. eggs and coffee. Which, when they showed this this young man making himself eggs and coffee in the woods on the weekend, knowing like during the school year, I was like, this is sad. Like, this kid is a sad kid. Like, what's going on? He yeah. doesn't have any then, friends to hang out with? What's happening? He's making eggs and coffee. And what what, and ye- case, what year is this from again? 72, but uh, I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> okay, so let me put on my cryptozoologist badge real quick. I was familiar with the phenomenon of, like, the big thicket, East Texas Bigfoot. Um, or, I'm sorry, uh, Wood Ape, or whatever they're fucking called. Eduardo Sanchez made uh, the less than uh, good movie exists about that. So I knew that like the, there were like Sasquatchian creatures in this area, but like I didn't know this was like a phenomenon. You know, like I didn't, I didn't know that this was like... You, you, go, to, you, you go to Falk, <laughs> Arkansas today... And there are like there are like shops dedicated to the Boggy Creek mom. Like there's like tchotchkes you can get for this and everything. So it's like it started back in the fifties, I think. I don't know because it's like it's one of those things where it's obviously like like did you did you you know the scene in the movie where they find the three toed the three toed footprints? Yeah. In that guy's field, and they're like, oh well, it's like if you believe that this wasn't this guy doing that, you should get your fucking head checked. I'm, it's like, it's, I, it's, I'm, it's so, it's so fucking fake and they make it out to be this like, I don't know. Here's the thing. I think we also have different investments here. I am not interested or particularly concerned with the reality of this thing. I assume everyone is on the same page that this is some fake ass bullshit. We're just making a movie here. But they're not. Those were actual people from the town who believe this shit is real. I, 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 I can't process that, man. I'm just going to assume that that's not true, and I'm just going to okay. pretend that they're all pretending, even the non-actors are simply putting in a performance. But what I'm telling you all is that even the everything about this, like I'm watching this thing, and I'm watching this supposedly 17-year-old kid out in the woods, and I'm thinking, shouldn't you be in a parking lot listening to Led Zeppelin or something? Like, what is yeah. happening right now? Like... It's it's the whole thing feels like it was filmed in 1945 or something. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. nothing feels contemporary. Everything feels, and, and I don't mean contemporary to now. I mean to 1973. Nothing feels like it makes sense. Like we're talking about the year that 
you know, kung fu films broke on America, and these—I mean, I guess it's the the where they're at, right? The geography, and 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 maybe that's part of the appeal of the movie to people at the time of like this slice of Americana, and 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 this backwards place where you could imagine this fucking wood ape being or or whatever the fuck it is. But the way it all plays to me is fake. Uh, in the sense of not faking a Bigfoot. Of course we're faking a Bigfoot. There's a dude in a shitty gorilla suit walking around, you know, and they're playing these fake growling noises. Like, it's obviously not real, and I don't think anyone's supposed to think it's real. What I mean is every aspect of it feels performative, like we're performing this backwoods thing. And it's it's just so boring. It's just... Uh, even yeah. the parts where, like, we're going to recreate the attack by the Sasquatch... Are, or whatever it's supposed to fucking be, are just utterly uninteresting, you know? And those are, like, the highlights of the movie because most movies is, like, some dude in a in a cabin talking about how he just smokes tobacco and the kids come to visit him in his cabin or some shit. It's, like, so not... Weird. It's, like, it's not... No part of this makes sense to me as a horror film. No, and but the thing is, it's it's like lauded as this like landmark work and like mockumentaries and found like the precursor to found footage. I'm like, yeah, but like <sighs> most people who make found footage movies, even bad ones, they put more work into it than this fucking movie did. This like I, I just like there were so many shots. There were so many shots of just like a turtle sitting on a log, gazing wistfully off into the sunset. And then, like, the narrator would overdub and be like, around here, folks know the neighbors' names, and they know what goes on. So when something comes out that they don't know, they remember. It's like, god damn it. I mean, look, I'm, I'm going to accept the facts that you gave me, that some of these people were just telling the, the truth as they saw it, or maybe they were performing, but the idea is that they were local people, and then they did these recreations around that. It still feels like a Disney film. It still feels like yeah. something that I watched on eight millimeter in uh, uh, grade school. Like, I don't know yes. if you were still watching actual films in your classroom uh, by the time. Oh, we were. were. Yeah. But when I was a kid, we definitely watched a lot of shit that looked like this. And it was like, you know, it's like, I, I, let's say I'm eight. That means it's 1987. So in 1987, we're watching these like short, like uh, eight millimeter films in class. They're supposed to be educational. They're from the 60s, and they're always just filled with like not real information, like nothing that would actually be interesting or helpful for any sort of science of any kind. Dinosaurs were created in five minutes by the devil himself to <laughs> tempt Eve away from her faithful husband. But you know what I mean? Like it, it's. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know what it was like in 1973. Maybe when this movie comes out, this is like some sort of original whatever. But if that's true, then this dude should have sued Disney. Because this feels like every Disney educational film I've ever seen. And maybe that's supposed to be part of the brilliance of it is like, look, it's just like those educational movies that Disney puts out. And I'm like, that's, but that's not fun, though. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't enjoy that. I don't know. I, again, I, maybe there's some magic here I'm not seeing. Like, maybe this is the equivalent of like, uh, you know, Pitchfork reviewing a grindcore record or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we we just don't have the ear for the tune that this fucking thing is playing. But no, I I think you and I both have. We're both smart enough to to pick shit apart and understand that this is not. Uh, the only this film's only real lasting legacy should have been kicking off the Bigfoot behaving badly craze of the early seventies. Um, which is still stupid, but it's a fun kind of stupid. Like Shriek of the Mutilated was 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 not a good movie by any definition, but Shriek of the Mutilated was fun to watch. This was not even fun. It was just this like we cannot stress enough how this felt like, you know, oh, okay. if you've ever been to a museum and they'll be like there's like a like a like an exhibit on coelacanths and they'll be like they'll show like a short film about coelacanths before that that's how this movie is shot like it feels like a like a like just a movie about like a swamp and they're just like this is the different kinds of lives in the swamp here we have a lizard and over here we have a bug and it just happens that like bigfoot's there or whatever the folk monster it, it's just it's not compelling at all and it it blows my mind that this movie made 
like $25 million. I mean, granted, it was shot for probably like 40 bucks, but this movie made a ton of money, and it, people to this day speak like they praise this movie. And I'm like, what the fuck movie did you guys watch? It's hard because when, when not only do people like this movie, but people we know like this movie, it can be hard to be like, this seems like some bullshit. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm not trying to like shit on people's taste per se. You know, like we, we definitely don't censor ourselves here. It's not like a totally feel good podcast, but I try not to like when, when people I know love something, I try not to be like, well, that thing you love is utter shit. But you know, I just think we're being honest here. The vibe of this thing, which is again, we're not we're not exaggerating, we're not caricaturing. It is exactly like some form of like uh, uh, you know uh, boring, not documentary in the sense of like a Werner Herzog movie or you know what I mean. Like it's yeah. it's not like the sorts of documentaries we think of now. This is a fake documentary in the worst version of a documentary, in the sort of documentary that, like, I don't think I would want to watch even if it was real. If there was a real documentary about life in this part of the country, and even if it documented some, like, serious stuff, if it was shot in this style, I would turn it off. The most obvious part being the multiple musical sequences, like, not song and dance, but, like, let's show a montage of things in the area and have someone singing over top of it. No, I don't want to hear the song. That's not interesting for me. I don't... Yeah. No part of that connects with what I find entertaining. Uh, and it was a real bummer, because as you've already said, this is one of my favorite posters in like yes. the history of horror. I love this poster. And I, 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 all I needed from this thing was Shriek of the Mutilated or something along those lines level entertainment. You know, yeah. If I could have got something even close to like a movie like Grizzly, that would have been unbelievable. But this is just, for me, hard to watch. Yeah, it's almost like Charles B. Pierce is like an exploitive fucking charlatan who saw an opportunity to make a few quick bucks and took it. It's, I mean, I'm not saying that's what happened, but I mean, if I didn't know any better, I'd say that's exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, do you like his other movies? Are you a fan of his other stuff? Uh, there was one I saw on the list. Let me see what it was again. I'll bring it up. I'm not really a big fan of The Town That Dreaded Sundown either. I think it's a little overrated. Again, strong poster movie. But I think the yeah. actual movie is like it's okay. It's not bad, but yeah. it's not. Great. It's fine, but it, it's it's not like I don't know. It, it's like the, 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 there. There's this movie doesn't even doesn't even have like that that charm of you know a '70s Bigfoot movie. It, I, I just I, I it just I I think the thing that also got me was like I realized at the end that like the narrator was like telling a story about his like boyhood when this happened, and he's just like. There's this weird, like, romantic, like, whimsical tone to his voice where he's just like, and if you're ever driving down Route 19 and you cross the Silver River Bridge, watch out because you might see see something watching you from the woods. And then it just ends. And you're like, what? How is that like like a treasured party? That sounds like something that would give you, like, fucking PTSD. That's not a treasured part of your boyhood. It just... Well, and there's there's multiple parts at the beginning where he assures you that the monster would never hurt anyone, and then by the end he's like, "Well, actually, we fucked with it so much that now it's going to hurt everyone." And that's another like, part of this movie that I was like, "What is going on here?" I was like, "They make it clear like the monster is very peaceful, he's very docile, and numerous times, like there's one guy who's just like, "Yeah, if I was certain it was a monster, I would have fucking killed it, but I couldn't be sure that it wasn't a wild man." Which is that a thing? Like, are there just like? <laughs> is, is that like a thing where it's just like, oh yeah, that's old Jim? Yeah, sure. That's, I think that's a thing. I just, oh my god! But these people are fucking bloodthirsty to kill the folk monster, and the, the folk monster doesn't hurt anybody until he gets shot at like at least four times, and then he attacks a slumber party, if I remember correctly. Sure, but they always want the. I he he keeps saying like it's it's harmless, and then there's all these like menacing footage sequences that are faked, where it's like. They're recreating this like menacing situation with it, and this happens all the time, right? Like it's like a constant thing in the movie. But also, um, oh, what was the other? Oh, the way he does the voiceover and the way the film is shot. There's a couple times where it seems like he's like giving you the thoughts of an animal or something. Like they'll like it's, he's oh. talking and then they zoom in on like a dog, and you're like, 
wait, are you the dog? Like, what's yeah, happening? Right I love, now? I love the dogs. How like when they, um, they bring the dogs in to like track the monster, and they're like, they were the most famous dogs in Tennessee, and it was like, by what yardstick? You know, like, like, what, were there like, were there people who saw us and were like, yo, those are those fucking dogs from Tennessee? Holy shit! I just, I, I, oh. Another technical aspect of this movie that made me want to fucking break my computer in half was the ADR and the voice, the 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 overdubbing of some of the some of the, like the the dialogue. Holy fucking god in heaven! The 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 people, because like you could tell that like they went out and like had people do parts, and then they went and like overdubbed them with like discernible voices. So you see these people, and they're like. Yes, uh, old Henry lives out in the woods in a shack, and you just bring him some tobacco, and he'll be your friend. And they go there, and he's like, "Yeah, sometimes I need to be down by the river, and just..." And you're like, you could clearly see that's not his actual voice, but it's like, how fucking garbled was this guy's like Texarkana accent, where they they thought that like what the voice they put put in the actual movie made fucking sense. I I, I just oh my god, I don't know. We we didn't enjoy this one very much, folks. In case you didn't know. Yeah, and I'm, as I am a sucker for Bigfoot behaving badly films, you know, I got kind of angry when they said the, the Bigfoot would, or the the folk monster would never harm anyone. I would like, yeah, tell it to scare Jim Carter, who died in 1971 in fucking Ape Canyon, Mount St. Helens. Tell it to him. Oh, you can't because he's fucking dead. So tell it to his <laughs> wife and children. I, I will say this is funny because I did, I going into this I kind of forgot you are much more invested in this topic than I am. Oh, I'm yeah. I want to believe, and the truth is out there about Sasquatch. This is just like oh, like I don't know. It's just like the, I don't think it would bother me as much if this film wasn't held up as like the grandfather to the found footage mockumentary thing, and I'm like. I see how there's like like a like the DNA there is like the DNA of this movie in something say like the Blair Witch, but I mean, I don't know, man. I just like just because like like look just because it's the grandfather or something doesn't mean it's good. Like my late grandfather, I gave the eulogy at his funeral and I called him an asshole. So it's like you don't have to revere like your descendants. This is this is not just Pre- because predecessors. This movie, Predecessors. I'm sorry. Yeah, just because this, just because this movie like gave rise to a lot of cool shit, doesn't inherently mean that it gets a pass on being chock full of decidedly not cool shit. There's also a weird thing where they keep saying how the whatever they want to call it, woods ape or whatever the fuck, that he's just drawn back. He hears the sirens call of civilization. Of civilization. He's drawn back to civilization. If you don't hear any form of racial undertones there, you're not listening very well. Yes. And furthermore, I don't mean to be classist. I am a defender of the people of the Appalachia region. You know, I'm a firm believer that rednecks were the original radicals. I truly believe that. And I don't like you know, I hate when people say, like, oh, white trash and all this shit because it's like, look, man, those, those people, they, you know, don't be an asshole. Like, don't fucking mock people who are in lower station of life than you. But, like, they're like, he would hear the siren call of civilization beckoning him to come out of the woods. And I'm like, there's 300 people in this town. Like, this isn't outside, like, Tallahassee, Florida or, like, Kansas City. Like, what, what siren call is there for him, for the Falk monster to... To, 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 to succumb to. Apparently, the siren call is to harass people while they're having a sleepover. Yeah, children. To, and to, <laughs> to attack people's dogs and yell at young mothers. That yeah. seems to be... And reach in the window on occasion? I don't know. All right. I think we've gone to town on this movie enough. Let's just say this. Look, <clears throat> friend of the show, Rob Scavarlo, loves this movie. He, Great dude. I love Rob. Love Rob. He loves it because it's so weird... It's such a strange little documentary. It's got these fucking weird songs in it. It's got these people who supposedly giving their true testimony about seeing this fucking thing. It's a true anomaly. And if you're sitting there thinking, I like weird anomalies that are barely uh, entertaining as uh, you know art, then yeah, this might actually be for you. I would actually recommend it if you like that kind of weird ass shit. But if you're someone who's like, hey, I want to watch a Bigfoot movie where Bigfoot fucks some people up and have it be fun and exciting, that's not this, man. There's no, there's, 
literally the the art of it is recreating a thing that is torturous in and of itself, and that is the little kids nature documentary. It's bad. Don't watch it. I hate it. <laughs> and again, the poster is the coolest thing about this movie. The poster's sick, though. I almost yeah. If the movie had even been a little bit good, I would buy one of those posters. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. So that's the Legend of Boggy Creek. Sorry, Rob, if you're listening to this, we still love you. I just, I don't know. It is what it is. So I think we're going to take a quick break, and we come back, we're going to talk about 2004's adventure comedy fantasy documentary, The Incident of Loch Ness. We'll be right back. Undoubtedly, the Loch Ness Monster exists as myth, and as an amalgam of myth. I've always been interested in the difference between fact and truth, and I would call it the ecstatic truth. Millions of people are believing that in these deep waters, some sort of a dinosaur is dwelling. Professor Carnell, do you really believe in the monster? Absolutely. I mean, there's been 10,000 sightings of this thing over 1,500 years. Last summer, a distinguished team of filmmakers and scientists set out on an extraordinary expedition. Show me one piece of evidence that proves this thing does not exist. They're saying, show us the evidence. I'm saying, show us the non-evidence. Their mission, to uncover the legendary secrets of Loch Ness. A lot of strange things happened on the boat, and I just knew that there was something seriously wrong. Incident at Loch Ness. It's absolute pandelirium on this loch, so it's been very difficult to get any real information out of them as to the causes of this tragedy. And we are back to talk about 2004's The Incident at Loch Ness. Directed by Zach Penn, also written by Zach Penn, starring Werner Herzog. That's all you need to know. Uh, This is a documentary exploring the myth of the Loch Ness Monster. Now, this movie, I don't know if I would call it a horror movie. I paired it with uh, the Legend of Boggy Creek only because I knew that The Legend of Boggy Creek was something of a failed attempt at a doc- mockumentary, documentary-style thing, and I just wanted to see Werner Herzog like lament about the situation of the Loch Ness Monster. And in that case, in that sense of this movie, I was not let down. I do think this movie was a little too... Uh, a little too much of a vehicle for like the director to like sort of like fan out over working with Werner Herzog but I still thought it was entertaining at least. How did you feel about this, Liam? I mean, yeah. At its base, it is an entertaining thing. Um, For me, the issue was more... The movie is a little too into the smell of its own shit. Yeah, yes. It very much is like... uh, Okay, there is a, a very fun, interesting thing here, which is how for a long time now, and this is sort of maybe not one of the first things, but one of the early examples of it. Werner Herzog is very self-aware. And he is so self-aware, he is capable of participating in his own mocking. Because he's well aware of what people think of him and what his his persona is. And he knows how to play with type. He knows how to play against type. You know? Yes. And, and, and I think he's done a lot more of that in the past decade than he did maybe in the early 2000s. But this was one of the examples of him starting to do that. And I love that. I think that's great. And this movie also think it's it's great. But it just runs too much with it without really having any other good ideas. And the whole joke of the movie ends up just being, look what we did with Werner Herzog, is, is how it feels to me. And it's just a little too... This would have made a very good episode of television. And I think yeah. drawn out for a full movie... It plays a little too much like, where do you see where we're going with this? And you're like, I know where you're going. I just wish you would get there. It's taking so long. And I, I know I, what the joke is going to be. I felt like this would have been a very good episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Agreed. Like, 
the scene where the director is just like, where Werner Herzog's like, this is the most difficult film I've ever had to work with. And the guy's like, oh, this is the most difficult film? At least we're not dragging a boat over a fucking mountain. And he's like, what did you say? Like, Larry David delivering that line of like, at least it's, like, that would have been spectacular. But this is just like, I, I don't know. It's like the, 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 the director, who's also the guy who plays the director in the movie. The produce, he plays like, the producer in the movie. Producer, I'm sorry. Yeah, the producer. It just seems he's a little like, you know, yeah, I'm fucking going toe-to-toe with Werner Herzog. Like, I'll fucking say it. I'll fucking pull a gun on him and, and remind him about the time he did that to Klaus Kinski. And it just, after a while, it got like, yes, we, we, we know the stories. You know, we, we've all seen My Best Friend. We know, we know what he's done. You know, it just, this is not a vehicle for that. This is, uh, just, come on, get, get on with the fucking shit that we all know is going to happen where the monster's actually going to be real and Herzog has to, like, interact with it. Like, that's what I was waiting for. Well, the whole movie, that's all I was waiting for. And there's not that much plot other than that, right? Like, no. okay, the joke is we got Werner Herzog to play himself doing a failed documentary, and there's going to be confusion about whether this is we've encountered something real or whether we're trying to do a hoax and that's going to be a setup for this thing. And there's so little plot leading up to like you could, if you wanted to be purely cynical, you could predict what's going to happen in a lot of movies. You could just watch a trailer and say, okay, so this is the beats. These are the general beats. And you know, they, they might surprise you on some details, but generally you could do what's going to happen, but you don't a, cause you're not Neil deGrasse Tyson, but B, (laughs) You don't because the the journey is what's amusing, you know? Only in the most complicated of mysteries do you need everything to be hidden. It's okay that you kind of know probably what's going to happen because it's, enjo- it's an enjoyable ride. This movie is kind of an enjoyable ride, but there's not enough stuff other than the things you know are probably going to happen to justify watching the movie. You know what I mean? It's like... Uh, it hits all the beats you're expecting without enough stuff that you're like, oh, that's also funny or that's interesting or that was scary. It's There's just not much there. And so really the only insight of the movie is how well our director is capable of playing an asshole producer to the point where towards the end of the movie I started to think like maybe he's just actually an asshole because the performance – is very good. I mean, he is oh, yeah. the worst kind of dude in this movie. He's truly despicable. But then by the end, you're kind of thinking, eh, but is he just playing himself? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, my biggest pet peeve with this movie was like... Um, and it, this honestly, like, it took me out of watching this film. Because I was like... I mean, I didn't hate this movie. I was like watching it. I was buying what it was selling for the most part. And then like... Um, I forget the fucking scene or the context of it, but they bring in this, like, dickhead cryptozoologist, this fucking guy, and um, and he's, like, the Loch Ness Monster's, like, real, blah, 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 and then, like, I think Herzog, like, snaps at him, he's, like, it's not real, like, you don't have any fucking proof. You don't have any proof that it's real. And the guy just, like, shoots back, like, completely 100 self-assuredly, 100% self-assuredly. He's, like, yeah, but you don't have any proof that it's not real. And right away, that just... Oh my god, that just like that was like chewing tinfoil because that attitude and it being serious right here, that attitude of like you can't prove it's real. Uh, Liam and I were have been having a conversation on Twitter about QAnon and that attitude and, and that adherence to that complete lack of critical thinking is what's gotten us where we are with the QAnon phenomenon. Like you can make any irrational claim or statement and so when someone's like yeah, do you have any proof? They're like no, no, no. Do you have any proof that it's wrong, though? And I, that just, like, that shook me completely out of the fucking movie because I, I cannot See, stand... I, okay, I'm going to disagree with you here because I think that is a, mm, like, a joke, like, a comment on this stuff that could have worked. What shook me out of the movie was the big reveal towards the end that he's playing a character. He doesn't believe any of this shit. That, well, yeah. that was, to me, the the worst part of that character was being like, actually, he's just playing off a script that he wrote, and sure, he like knows the facts, because he's stood, but he's not really a cryptozoologist. I was like, what? Okay, I get like the big sort of underlying thing here was how the producer was setting up Werner Herzog for this whole whatever. But yeah. god damn, man, like, 
it just it to me it, it was so much of a setup that it just felt tiresome. It was not fun. Whereas I actually would prefer crazy guy as a fun character. That would be fun for me, <laughs> you know. But but he yeah. he's not a crazy guy. He's faking. It. He's but like also I'm supposed to believe that this actor is faking it so hard that he let himself get beat up by some Scots like. I don't know. Whatever. It, I, I'm being a little nitpicky here, and, and, and maybe we're both being a little nitpicky on this one. This is at very base level an entertaining movie overall, right? Like uh, at least compared to our other choice for this episode. Absolutely. This is if if you're if you are a Werner Herzog fan and you haven't seen this movie, by all means watch it. You'll get a kick out of it. I did. You know, like. I'm not going to lie, the first couple scenes where it's like, they're just like him being him, I was like, this is enjoyable, and this is like weirdly endearing. But then, like, after a while, especially when they start dragging up some of the more, like, famous shit about him, it was just like, I I know, but like, you cannot top pointing a gun at him because he actually, or whatever, he supposedly did that. It just, I don't know, it, it, it just got to be like, you, that, that's what you're going to do? Like, that's where we're going? You know, that's, that's how we're playing this, is like we're recreating this famous moment in, in, in film lore? Like, I, I, I don't know. It felt, it felt a little um, underbaked, that part. You know, I, I think some parts yes. really work. I actually think the conversation where he makes a joke about the boat, that works fine for me, but it works less well when we already have the scene with the flare because that didn't feel, I mean, I guess that's the thing, right? Is in a movie like this, you can play it straight and let that be why it's funny because you're, you're really trying to, or you can wink at the camera the whole time. And this movie, it felt to me, couldn't decide if it was winking at the camera or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. It it definitely, it definitely committed to the Loch Ness part, but look, I don't think anyone is watching this movie because they want to be scared by Nessie, right? Like, <laughs> it, there's 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 a lot of moments played very straight towards the end of like Nessie attacking them or whatever that you know supposedly lives in in the lock. We don't that. I mean, that's fine. That's great. That's great that they nailed that. But that would have been more effective if other parts of the movie were played straight with less winking at the camera. But there's yeah. a lot of fucking winking at the camera in the movie where, you know, even that argument, like, I could actually believe that that character would make that statement about the boat. Oh, yeah. But it's less believable when we have the scene of him threatening him with the flare gun and being like, this is what you did to Klaus Kinski, blah, blah. You're like... That's what <sighs> I'm saying. It was like, it was so... He had to point out that, like... He had to point out that you that that Herzog did this. You know what I mean? He had to be like, I know the story. And he it was basically like, gave the footnote to his own joke. Yeah, it's like we all fucking know the story, man. You don't need to lay it out for us. Well, I mean, at least I, anyone interested in the joke, you know what I mean? Like, okay, maybe not everyone gets why you're doing that, but then that joke isn't for them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who, who exactly? Uh, what part of this movie would work for anyone who is completely ignorant of who Werner Herzog is? Then the exactly. whole movie doesn't work. I mean, at least it, it, in his defense, at least Herzog was just like, "I never did that. I'm tired of defending it." And besides, this gun isn't loaded. Give it to me. Like that kind of took the edge off of it a little bit for me because that was funny. But the actual joke itself was just like, "Dude, all right." Again, I'm not trying to be too nitpicky on this because the the movie is pretty good. I just think it's a little too it's a little you know, this is like when when a friend of yours says a joke and they they're convinced that this joke is the funniest fucking shit ever and they're so into it, they're so stoked on it that it kind of ruins the joke in and of itself. The joke is crushed by the weight of their expectations about how you're going to think it's so fucking good. That's how this movie feels. It feels like the movie is like, wait till everyone sees this shit we did with Werner Herzog. Holy shit. We did stuff with Werner Herzog that's ridiculous. And we made a joke of a movie that the punchline is basically Werner Herzog. Can you believe we did that? And like maybe in 2004, no one could fucking believe it. Maybe people watch this thing and we're like, wow, I can't believe they got Werner Herzog to do that. But in 2020... Yeah, he's been on Rick and Morty. He's been on The Mandalorian. He shows up everywhere. He'll do voiceover for anything. My man does not give a fuck. So the yeah. idea that like, wow, that's unbelievable. He did this. 
could not be less interesting to me in and of itself. You have yeah. to have something more, and it just felt like there wasn't quite enough there. And again, I think I'm being hard on the movie because I think it could have. I think it is in and of itself a good idea, but they didn't think pa- they didn't yes they had their own idea. They just have the one thing, and they haven't built enough off out of it to have a full movie. Exactly. Yeah. It's a shame because, like you said, it is mostly entertaining. Werner Herzog is great as Werner Herzog, you know, which just sounds obvious. But I, I, I think there's a lot of people who cannot play themselves as well as Werner Herzog does in this movie. No, no, it, it, it was it was definitely um, entertaining to say the least. That was that was like I guess that's Incident in Loch Ness. I guess. There's not. I mean, there's just not much more to say about both of these movies. I mean, I, no. I, I will say, if you if 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 the idea of Werner Herzog playing himself in a fake documentary about himself, uh, in which there's a Loch Ness monster, just sounds amusing in and of itself to you. It's not. The movie doesn't ruin anything. It's not like terrible, terrible. I just feel like it missed an opportunity because it they didn't develop the idea enough. But I would still recommend if if someone thinks that sounds funny to watch. But if if you're hoping this is the first. A uh, Loch Ness movie that's actually scary, you're not going to get that, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, there are, I don't think, are there any Loch Ness horror movies? I'm sure there are. The guy who wrote the book that the Meg is based on wrote a book called <gasps> The Loch. So I'm sure they'll be making a movie out of that in a few years, but I don't know. I mean, Loch Ness Monster's not real anyway. I believe in the Loch Ness Monster. What? No. No, I don't. I, I, I did when I was a kid, but I, I believed in a lot of things when I was a kid, so, you know. Yeah, same here. But, uh, Le- I mean, it's just a big thing. I mean, if what I'm supposed to believe is maybe there was something big in the water at some point, sure, whatever. That's fine. I can, I can actually believe that, but, the, you know, we, we, at this point, would want to know what the fuck it is. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. well, what is it? Well, I don't know. And by now, if it was still, I mean, e- even if there was such a thing, ever at any one point why the fuck would it still be alive like that's the part you know you could get a good hundred hundred years or so out of maybe something but uh but it's been long enough that it's like it's there there can't be anything we would we would you know what i mean we would have picked up on that yeah yeah. but i mean the same with unless they're interdimensional beings i don't think bigfoot is real either i am not as opposed to the idea of Sasquatch as I am to the Loch Ness Monster. And we'll leave it at that. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, I do like Bigfoot behaving badly movies, though. Oh, who doesn't? Assholes don't. So I, 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 I guess that was the episode? Yeah, I guess that's... Sorry this is a shorter one, y'all, but there's just not it's as fine. much to say about these, and that's fine. It just means we'll put more time into the next one. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Um, if you are listening to us on iTunes, remember to rate, review, subscribe, and download, 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 and send us a review. It'd be nice. Nice little review. Um, you could head to www.cinepunks.com for more episodes of this show and more episodes of some other fine podcasts, such as one I was recently on, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. You could check out Liam's flagship podcast, Cinepunks, Black Sun Dispatches, Wine and Cheese, Tomb of Ideas, Cinema Smorgasbord. And you can, you know, there's a lot of like cool writing stuff on there, like articles and shit. Um, so you can check that out. You can head to www.patreon.com backslash Cinepunks to learn how you, yes, you, can become a patron to support this amazing movement of artists, writers, and podcasters. Uh, and also be sure to check out uh, LVAC, www.xlvacx.com, and the underscore LVAC on Twitter and Instagram. And you could find us on Twitter and Instagram at theharbiz666. Um, if you want to say anything to us, you can contact us through there, or you can just email us at theharbiz at gmail.com. Um, so until next time, as always, and especially now, Black Lives Matter. Amen. Peace. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, 
weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Don't talk, just listen. Under the black sun, there is no hope. Only mystery, wonder. And danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinefunks Podcast Network.